Good morning. Uh, thank you for, uh, for joining us this morning. Uh, we are very, uh, we're very uh, glad that you're here, especially those of you that are mothers. Uh, and we have many in the audience this morning. Uh, I can't help but think of my own mom today. Uh, she passed away uh, nearly five years ago. Uh, but she was incredibly influential in my life. And uh, whatever uh, I've become, I would credit whatever the good qualities are, uh, many of them to her. Uh, she's the one that brought me up really with a love of the Lord. I, many of you know I grew up a Baptist, uh, but uh, she very much loved the Lord and, and tried to serve, serve him the best that she could. And she taught me to do the same. And a lot of the lessons, many of the lessons that I learned as a young man that made me interested in serving God was from watching her and seeing her as a, as a witness. And so I understand the love of a mother is unconditional. The love of a mother is, it was without rival. There's nothing like that. And, you know, there's a term that you'll, you'll hear used occasionally. It'll be mama bear. Well, mama bear is real because mama really loves and cares about that child, and they want to do uh, what is best for that child. Uh, in my years of working in the school district, uh, as an assistant principal especially, I worked with a lot of, of moms that were trying to get their kids back on track. And, uh, and I will tell you that that was a partnership that for the most part was very collegial. They, they wanted the best for their kid and so we would partner together and, uh, and, and work to try to steer that child in the right direction. Uh, they didn't always agree with what I was telling them but uh, for the most part, they, the point is, is that they had that heart. And, and I know that you have that heart and you want the best uh, for your children and, and we'll do what you can uh, to make that happen. So uh, we're not going to talk about, uh, we're not, we don't have a Mother's Day lesson uh, per se. In fact, we're going to talk about a subject that's kind of maybe on the opposite end. We're going to talk about irritability. Now, we know that mothers are on the receiving end of a lot of irritability. You've got, to, you've got to deal with all the crying and the whining and the carrying on. And on top of that, sometimes you have to deal with the kids. So uh, it's just a, but you do. You, you deal with a lot, and, and a lot of times the frustration are things that you try to navigate. And so this morning, we're going to talk about irritability. Um, and understanding that uh, a lot of times the ladies are the ones that, that are the, on the receiving end of that. Okay, so these are two famous uh, people that we might deem as irritable. And, they're, and so there's a, there's a truth that older men have kind of a reputation for being grumpy. This is a picture from a, from a movie called Grumpy Old Men. And uh, the idea is that these... These guys would make quite a living as portraying people that were irritable, and they were constantly irritable. Um, and, and, but, you know, the truth is, is that older men don't have the market cornered there, that, that uh, we can all be uh, irritable, whatever age we are, whatever gender we are. Um, 
So just another interesting story. Last week, uh, Yancey was giving the announcements, and he was telling about this series, and the idea of the series, let me back up. The idea of the series is faux pas. In other words, it's sins that we really think are maybe not so serious, but God doesn't see them that way. God sees them as not just some social error, but really a, a disobedience, a sin, and something that we should take seriously and do what we can to put it out of our lives. Um, so Yancey was explaining that that was the purpose of the series. And Connie turned to me and she said, what's your topic? I said, irritability. And she busted out laughing. <laughs> so that tells me that maybe I have an issue with irritability more than I thought I did. And, you know, I think that's the reality of this particular sin is it's probably something that you don't necessarily identify with. You don't think that you have an irritable nature, but maybe your nature is more irritable than you realize. And so this will be a chance for us to kind of check ourselves and see, am I making it hard on the people that I love because I'm so hard to get along with? So again, these two guys... Uh, classic case of that. Well, you think about a, a body part. So in this case, we have an eye that's irritated. You think about when that happens or any part of the body that begins to, to become inflamed or it's hurting you. What happens? It affects every other part of the body. You have to, so if my eye is bothering me, I'm not going to ignore that and go about my business and do the other things I need to do for that day. Instead, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to, I'm going to go to the, the sink, I'm going to get some eye drops, I'm going to do something that can, that can relieve that pain. So my feet are not going to ignore my eye, are they? It hurts, and I want to get it to stop. And you know, even if I can't get it to stop, it bothers me all day, and I think about that thing all day long. There's been a time or two in my life, not very often, but in the last five or six years, there's been a few days that I have awakened with gout. Now, again, that's not a big problem for me, but occasionally, and where it usually resides with me is in my big toe. And I, you can't fix it. So you know what you do? You limp around all day, but you ever forget about that toe? You think about that toe all day because it is drawing, it's, it's drawing your attention to the part that hurts. And so it's true with all parts of the body. It's also true of people. And so when people become irritated, then they kind of force the people in their circle to have to contend with that. Uh, we have all heard uh, the, the saying, that, well, around this person or that person, you have to walk on eggshells. Now, I don't hear that as much as I used to years ago, so maybe for the younger generation it's not as familiar with that, but walking on eggshells is I'm around someone that is easily offended, and I have to be very careful that the environment and the path is perfectly smooth for this person, because if not, they're going to go off. And when they go off, I'm going to have to deal with that, which is going to be worse than walking on the eggshells. 
uh, we've probably, maybe at some time in your life, I have, uh, had a boss that was, was that kind, that was, that was easily offended and easily irritated. So you didn't just have to think about what you needed to do to do your job. You had to be sure that you weren't going to do anything or say anything or not do something that might cause this person uh, to be offended and that would cause uh, chaos that you didn't want to have to deal with on the back end. So again, uh, it affects everybody in the circle. Just like the eye affects the body parts, someone who is going around and they're irritable, they're easily offended, then that's going to affect everybody in their circle. And they demand our full attention. So there's a, there's a proverb. In Proverbs 29 and 11, it says this, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. You ever been around people that every almost every time you see them, they're telling you some horrible story about how they were offended or how uh, this situation that they're in is totally unfair and, and it's, it's almost every time. And we probably can think of a time in our own lives where we were the one that felt like our pride was offended, felt like our honor was offended. And so we, what did we do? We went and blabbed it to everybody that would, that would give us ear. They, we, just wanted, we were so frustrated, we needed to tell it. What the proverb writer here says is that that's the, that's the spirit of a fool, that they just, give, they just blather it out with no filter. But uh, a wise man holds it back uh, quietly. So there's a word in the Greek called, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this right, but perozino. And perozino translates into different words in the, in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. It translates as either irritable or provoked or kindled or incited. So that's, that's this perozino that is used in different parts of the Bible and it's translated that way. So it's interesting that we think about this passage that is in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's, this is famous passage that talks about charity or in the, Old Test, in the Old King James, charity, but as we know the word love, uh, agape love. And, what, and so the interesting thing is at the end of this he says, okay, there's three things really important. Uh, love, faith, and hope. And he says the greatest of these is love. The reason he does, I think, is because that's the closest, that's the very nature of God. And if you can live a life of love, that is as close as we can as humans emulate our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and ultimately our Father. So look, what it, look at the description here. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable. So I would submit to you that if the closest that we can get to emulating God is living in love, and this is and being irritable, having a nature of being easily irritated, if that is if that's defined in here as something that's not love, 
then if we're, if we're irritable, we can't be godly, we can't be righteous, we can't be Christian. That's not Christian living. And you might say, well, I haven't said anything that's been a sin, I haven't hit anybody, or I haven't done anything. Maybe so, but your spirit is such that you're not, you're not living out of love, and you're not treating people that way. And because of that, you're not living as a Christian. So that he uses this passage very clearly here. In James chapter 1, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, think about that a minute. If you're slow to anger, are you, are you irritable? You really can't be. People that are irritable are quick to anger. They see something, it offends them, and they respond negatively. Why? And I look at the last part of this. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know why? Because it's selfish. You think about your anger. When you get mad, is that driven out of love of the Lord or trying to defend His cause in most cases? Most cases it's not. It's, it's because you were offended and you didn't get what you wanted and so now you're angry. So the righteousness of, or the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So look, if you think about that, we've all heard the term that, you know, they're, they're just pressing their buttons. That someone is, is the type of person that has these buttons that you can, someone knows the exact right thing to say to you to send you off and get you really upset. They know where your buttons are and they can push them and they do push them. I know siblings are really good at that. Is uh, They will know what will aggravate their siblings and they will do things occasionally on purpose. I have a, I have a younger brother. We did the same thing. He knew mine and I knew his and we would go after him occasionally. And, and so the question I would have for all of us this morning though have you examined your own wardrobe to determine your buttons? You know, usually we, th we think about this in terms of other people, that they have their buttons that can be pushed. But think about you. Do you have buttons that are easily pushed? Things that people say or do, that pet peeves that you have that can send you to an irrational response. The word irritable just means you're easily able to be irritated, that you just get upset over things uh, very quickly. Uh, usually you think about the reason. The reason is something that's selfish, that your pride was offended, that someone, that someone said something that, that took an opposite position that you hold very dear. And so uh, usually that's born out of, out of selfishness. Then another thing to think about is your, the regularity. So how frequently do you find yourself getting aggravated? Do you get frustrated? I, I'll tell you, there are some, some places for me that are danger zones. 
traffic. I want to tell you one thing that really makes me mad is when I'm sitting at a light and about to make a left turn and we've got a line of cars going through and when those cars, when that light turns green and those cars in front of me don't get on through that light but they dawdle back knowing full well that somebody at the end of this thing's not going to get through because they left a ton of space in front of them, that really annoys me. I have to work to not let that get under my skin. I know it's a little thing, but that, that, just, that just gets me. Uh, I, here's another one. You ever work at the computer and you can't get it to do, you know it should be doing, you know it should be doing something because you've done it before and for some reason it's not doing it this time? Is that a source of aggravation for you? It is, isn't it? I, I'm going to tell, this is, this, is, this is shameful on my part, but I'm going to tell it because it's true. I bought a new mouse and keyboard this week. Now, that one that I replaced was only a couple years old. The reason I had to replace the mouse, and by the way, it's working fine now. I thought I was going to have to replace the whole machine, but that's all it needed. It turns out that if you take a mouse and you bang it down on the keyboard enough, if you do this four or five hundred times, turns out that it's not good for them. I, who knew? But it's a true story. I mean, that, that's, it's, but you think about it, yeah, it's funny, but it's also shameful. I shouldn't be acting like that. That's not, that's not, that's not godly, that's not Christian. Finally, What's the intensity of the offense that you, have, that, that you have to deal with before you really get aggravated? Is it little stuff or is it really, really big, important stuff? A lot of us will acknowledge that a lot of times it's small stuff, but it just gets under our skin. So here's some other things that we might think about. If denied, I become irritated. So when I'm weary and I want rest, and it's denied, I become irritated. When I'm sick or in pain, I want relief, and I want it now. If I don't get it, it's denied, I become irritated. When I'm running late, I don't want to appear like it's my fault and I'm negligent. So if it's denied, if I'm late, ultimately, I become irritated. When I'm disappointed, Things didn't work out the way that I thought they should. My, I want my desire to field, but if it's denied, I get irritated. I'm fearful. I've got this concern, and this concern doesn't go away. So I become irritated. When I'm enjoying something, I want to keep enjoying it. But if I have to stop, then I become irritated. When I see something on social media that offends my sensibilities, I want justice. And I want it now. But if I don't see justice occurring, I get frustrated and I'm irritable. So think about the nature of Christianity. There's two things that you might say about the nature of being a Christian. One, that Christians are loving. 
and two, that Christians are thankful. Now here's what, I want you to try to do this sometime, just an experiment. Try to hold those two thoughts in your head. In fact, do that now. Just think about something that you're thankful for. Maybe your mother, but something you're thankful for. At the same time, try to be irritated. Can't really do it, can you? You can't really do it. That those two things, it's kind of like this is, this is the Christian soil. And if this is the Christian soil, then the plant of irritability cannot grow in that soil. It can't, it can't survive in that. So if we will focus more on having this kind of nature, we'll be less irritable. And, I, and I've also said it's a pretty good test that if we find ourselves irritable or if our spouse tells us that maybe we're a little irritable, it, which is probably true, it may, it may be time to do a little bit of soil testing. Maybe, maybe, we're not, maybe we're not as thankful as we should be. Maybe we're not as loving as we should be. So we have these things in our lives, we're going to stamp out irritability. Can't survive. No temptation has uh, overcome you that is common to man. Think about that. You ever think that something happens to you and this is the worst thing that's ever happened to anybody in the world? No one's ever gone through this before in their lives. This is horrible and no one can understand because it's the worst thing that's ever happened on the planet. Really? We're assured here in 1 Corinthians 10 that these temptations and these things that come upon us are common to man. God is faithful and he will not tempt you beyond your ability and with the temptation he'll provide a way for you to escape so that you'll be able to endure it. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet uh, trials of various kinds, for you know that, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now think about what that says. It says, count it all joy. You ever meet anybody that went around bragging and boasting about the trials and tribulations in the sense that they were going to help their faith grow? You ever, you ever hear that? I don't. I've never heard that. I've never heard somebody say, I can't wait to tell you what happened to me and how much this is going to help my faith grow. But that's the way he says we ought to be, is we ought to look at those trials and tribulations. You know, I spent a, a number of years as a coach. And when you're coaching kids, you're putting them through drills that are occasionally unpleasant. You're not doing that just to be mean. You're trying to prepare them for a competition. When we have trials and tribulations that we deal with today, that helps you prepare for the trial and tribulation that you're going to have five years from now that you don't have any idea is coming, but it's coming. And so then we want to just ask this question. Well, how about Jesus? You know, Jesus, uh, Jesus handled some trials and tribulations in his life. Here's one. 
What about when his house, when his father's house was defiled? Remember, he actually got in there and he turned over the, the money changers' tables because he was so upset. Was he being irritable? Well, first of all, was that selfish? He wasn't being selfish here. He was defending his father and, and the way that they were dealing with the father's house. He says, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you made it a den of robbers. So think about that when he's defending his father's house, but on the other hand, when he was crucified, how did he handle that offense? He said, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You see, when our Lord and Savior was tested, he arose to that test by being humble, by not being irritable, and by actually praying for the very people that were putting him in this situation that all of us will acknowledge is far worse than anything that we have ever gone through and far worse than anything that we can imagine that we would have to in the future. Some of you have probably watched this show, some, maybe some of you have not, but this is the actor that plays the part of Jesus and you know one of my favorite things about this? I think this actor does a great job of capturing the nature, the spirit of Jesus. That he was kind, he was often funny, but he was, he was kind and, and he, was, he just had a, a spirit about him that was obviously thankful and loving like we, like we should have. Can you see this character playing some, can you see him being irritable? Well, if you look at the, if you watch that show much, you just don't see that in Jesus. And so, to the extent that that's true, we should work to emulate that. We should be more like that. Romans 12 and verse number 1 says that we're to lay aside every weight in the sin which cling so closely and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Think about carrying around irritability all day, every day, and the impact you're having on the people that love you, and the impact you're having on your own Christianity. If you have to carry that all the time, you're going to end up in the ditch. Your Christianity's not going to survive. That weight is too great for you to bear. So this morning, I call us to throw that off, to examine ourselves, because I think, as I mentioned at the outset, this is something that we're not very good in identifying within ourselves. If you ran a poll, most people would say, no, I'm not an irritable person. If you ask the people that are in their close circles, I think you would get a, a higher percentage because we don't realize how we're portraying ourselves. We don't realize how much we're letting the world affect our Christian spirit. So this morning, if the church can assist you in some way, we are, are going to offer a song of invitation. Uh, if we can pray with you and we can help you in that way, we would ask you to come and sit on the front pew as we stand and sing.